0: squad and welcome to Ranks FC coming at you slightly later than usual because yesterday was deadline day and we're here to unpick all the carnage that went on in the final hours of the transfer window. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today and I'm joined by
2: the rank god Mr. Sam Tai. How you doing mate? Hello my friend. Good morning everybody. Yes apologies for the delay. Have the schedulers of the transfer window no shame? Have they? No shame whatsoever. They've clashed with our usual recording day. Come on, guys, get with the picture. Ranks FC is the most important thing in the world. But we've managed to sell through and get it done this morning for you. So I'm pleased to be talking transfers with you guys. Uh, Again, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about this episode. Uh, and a man I'm sure that's very excited that the transfer
0: window has come to a close. Our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Yeah, a um, bit of a hangover. A transfer hangover, not an alcohol hangover. Um,
3: <laughs> No, it's fine. I actually feel, feel good. It was a very good uh, last two days of the windows. So much to check out. And look, that's basically what you want. That's the whole point of deadline day. It was in, it was invented to, to be dramatic. And uh, it's still living up to its billing. Um, give people a deadline and they will panic when it gets to deadline. Um, whether it's taxes, whether it's your homework, whether it's transfers, and it's just
0: absolute guarantee. So yeah, it's fun. It was fun. I mean, the chaos ensued last night, mostly surrounding Enzo Fernandez's deal to Chelsea Dean. It was carnage from sort of mid-evening onwards. Yeah,
3: totally. Um, obviously, um, Chelsea went out to, to Portugal to tie up this deal, had every intention that they were not going to lose. Um, and they really did have to, force this transfer through by all accounts. Um, it wasn't just Todd Bowley, um, although he obviously has uh, a real determination to make a success of early business at Chelsea and he's, he's done that. But he obviously works with egbali um, who um, seems to really take command of, of such talks once they get to the nitty gritty. Um, and he seems to be quite a fierce character. Obviously they used to have Marina Gradskaya um who had quite the reputation in the game uh, throughout her time at at Chelsea and now it seems that Egbali is the guy that Chelsea can rely on um yeah seems like absolute chaos um throughout the day it was not it was not quite an on-off scenario because it, it always seemed still on it was just a case of waiting for this decision to be made and the owners eventually having to Thrash things out and I guess it must have been about about just before 10 o'clock really before they actually got the breakthrough they what they wanted and um she say, I don't think Chelsea have still announced this but um it has
0: happened like Enzo Fernandes is a Chelsea player Benfica um, have announced it and Chelsea currently without having anything more just have an Argentinian flag and a trophy in their bio on both Twitter and Instagram so that's good enough for me yeah um an
3: eight-and-a-half-year contract for Enzo Fernandez.
0: With an option.
3: So it's basically a 10-year contract, which I <laughs> joked about. On Twitter, but it's funny, because when I, I tweeted, just waiting for Chelsea to announce this on um, to 2033, and I was going to go, like, I, I actually had had a message saying, I've heard that this, this contract is eight-and-a-half years with an option for another year-and-a-half. And I was like, oh, if I put that out now, people are like, that's not going to be believable. I kind of wish I had now, but anyway, um, hindsight and all that. So I put it out as a joke, but it was basically true. Uh, he's basically there for the next ten years. You said on the live stream he'd
2: be uh, signed till twenty forty. That so was you, me. You, that was me. I think. Oh,
3: was fair, that so. you? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> but sure.
0: even still, it doesn't. You know, it'll be immortalized. It well, amortized amortized will be over by, ten years, right? Yeah, so, so obviously a
3: pathway here. He's he'll be footballer ambassador, owner. Whatever else, Enzo Fernandez <laughs> is Chelsea Killian for life. Mbappe,
0: Rue, yeah, okay. yeah, he's that Chelsea for life now.
3: Uh, but yeah, it was a mad day, and obviously, like that in tandem with Sabitzer um, going to Man United, who suddenly had to find a solution to Christian Eriksen's injury. Um, it just, it just made for two really good stories on on deadline day, um, and that's basically what you want. You need a core storyline. And then all the other subplots just make up the little bits in between. It couldn't have actually got any better from that point of view. Like if you were a broadcaster for the day, Sky Sports or whatever, it was perfect because you never had a dull moment. There was always something to, to fall back on. Um, but for me, it just meant a lot, a lot of messages. I'd, I was trying to count up how many transfer updates I did during the course of the month because obviously I work for Give Me Sport as well and this uh, kind of stuff. I think it's around 750. I think I did around 750 transfer
0: updates.
2: You uh, made up month. 750 transfer rumours. This yeah. is
0: why the hashtag <laughs> Who Is Dean Jones came about in the first place. He's absolutely everywhere. Sam's wearing the t shirt. Respect. Uh, yeah. These, these are the moments. These are the moments that everybody lives for. I mean, look, we, we've started with Enzo there. And Sam, later on in this podcast, we're going to discuss some of the best deals of Deadline Day and the best loans of Deadline Day. So I don't want to go into anything too deeply. But one of these questions that always gets thrown about, and I think it's a nice place to start this episode instead of things we love, is this kind of question of who won the window. And it's a bit of a silly question in many ways, because you never know who wins a window. Really, until about three years down the line, because the impact the players have is is yet to be foreseen, but it's a it's a fun one to discuss, i think so so we'll have a little go at it um and and the obvious answer in many ways is Chelsea. I do think there's something to discuss in in this kind of regard that if anyone else had come in and spent six hundred if city had spent six hundred million quid in two windows. The narrative would be very heavily city are ruining football, um, but Top Burley seems to be getting a little bit of a free pass because mm. he's a, a, a new is owner. I, I, I think that generally I think the to some I think, people, yeah. I think the sentiment is generally more positive. It's kind of like, oh, okay, cool. There's a lot of Chelsea fans being like, you just wish your club was doing this, and I think that's also a fair sentiment from Chelsea fans, because I think there are a lot of clubs who are looking at this incredibly enviously. And I think there are a lot of people that say, okay, you're overpaying for this. But I don't know if the, the prevailing sentiment is Chelsea are ruining football, where it might be elsewhere.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, maybe that's primarily down to the source of the respective pots of money. You know, maybe, that's, maybe that factors in. If it was City, if it were PSG, it's different to Todd Burley's uh, coffers. But yeah, I mean... January transfer windows, who won the window? The conversation very often boils down to, I think for a lot of people, like who signed the most players? It's almost like a like a race. Um, how many can you get in? So I think a lot of people's answer to this sort of question would be a Chelsea, would be a Southampton, would be a Bournemouth, would be a Nottingham Forest once again. Uh, but they're never really going to be my picks. The, the good thing about this debate, while you're right, it's stupid um, in terms of a question. It's a good debate to have, but it's a difficult one to have because... When it gets to January, everybody's needs are different, so you sort of have to like analyze every single club in their own unique context. And like for me, the team that did the best work this January was Bayern Munich. I mean, they picked up like three players, which will be incredibly useful. Jan Sommer for eight million euros because Manuel Neuer broke his leg skiing. Cool goalkeeper was a crisis position sorted just in time for the first uh, first game of the Rukrunder. You pick up Daly Blind as like a swing left back, centre back cover because Luca Hernandez, unfortunately, tears his ACL at the World Cup. That's really smart movement and it happened really early. And then you've got one of the world's best fullbacks, one of the world's best footballers, João Cancelo, suddenly available on deadline day or just before. And you get the deal done alone, probably nothing really up front. And then the option to sign him if he if he sets the house alight, which he probably will because he's awesome. This is really smart stuff. But they're not in a desperate situation. They just kind of sat there and they're sort of picking and choosing and going, oh, oh yeah, we'd, yeah, we'd do that. Well, you yeah, know, yeah, that that'll do. Apart from summer, none of this was absolutely necessary. But they've been able to sit there and kind of cherry pick the best bits. Not everybody's in that situation, you know. Everton, Southampton, Bournemouth, Forest did not find themselves in that situation. I guess the one club you absolutely would not put in this conversation of who won the window is Everton, who definitely yes. lost the window. They've been relegated from the window. They are now below the window. They're jumping out the window. That's what <laughs> yes, they're doing. Form goes out the
0: window. Forms <laughs> out. I mean, this is one of them. Yeah, I, I agree, Sam. I, I think Southampton and Bournemouth in particular have, uh, have signed smartly, but those are the, the kind of ins and outs. it. Dean, I mean, where do you lie on this?
3: Um, I think Arsenal are the winners because they've saved an absolute fortune. Um, first, they went for Mudrick, which would have cost them about £80 million. They ended up signing Trossard for like £21 million. Then they go for Moises Caicedo, was going to cost £80 million. They ended up signing Jorginho for £12 million. And they buy a centre-back, Kivioro. How much did he cost in the end? I, I don't know the exact About price, £20 million Yeah, Kivior. £20 million, which is a, a reasonably fair price. So you know, wrap all those together. It's not even the value of one of those big signings that they were going for. And to be honest, I don't think that they're going to, it's going to make that much difference to their season. I don't think that having Mudrick or Kaiseido would necessarily have elevated them to a a level that was particularly higher than they're going to be with Trossard, and and i, think I say and Jorginho, who both have like such high competence and such experience in the premier league that there's no doubt that they can both raise their game to help arsenal in key moments i know that i was a bit down on the trossard transfer initially and i, I don't look I, I don't think it's spectacular at all that's true but they don't, maybe they don't need anything spectacular right now because they're already such a well-oiled machine and so I look at it now and I'm thinking, okay, so you've saved yourselves £130 million in this transfer window by not actually paying up for what the clubs were trying to hold you to ransom for. That's a really good thing on your your behalf because Man United have been there before and clubs were just making fun of them and they were making them pay £80 million for Harry Maguire and eventually they were caving in and doing it and it ultimately didn't really get them the success that they needed on the back of it. And so Arsenal have just found an alternative And I think that they're still as well positioned to challenge for the title now as they would have been with Mudrik, who has no Premier League experience. Don't get me wrong. He's like he looks like he's going to be stunning at times. But I don't know that he would have necessarily even been a starter for a while. I don't know how he would have fitted into this team. Hmm. So, yeah, I think that Arsenal can now go into the rest of this season still with a lot of confidence and... Know that in their back pocket they've got a load of money, and if they do actually win the league, or to be honest, even come close to it, they're in a great, great situation to now really, really go to town in a proper window where they're going to be preparing to, you know, kick on again. And I I actually think that they're in a really
0: good spot. Yeah, I think that's completely fair, and and I would I would kind of levy the same arguments that. Manchester United, obviously in a slightly different situation in, cool. in terms of where they are in the table, but I think considering what happened during the window and Ericsson's injury, bringing in Sabres at the last minute, I don't feel that United look any weaker than they did at the start of the window, and they look, they look good at the start of the window. That that feels like a success story from where I'm sitting, so I quite like what United have done as well, in, in very much the same kind of manner. Um, I just wanted to sort of do a, a wee trip around Europe, because a lot of the focus, because a lot of the spending has been in the Premier League, as, as you say. You know, a Chelsea, lot of the spending. I Chelsea mean, Chelsea outspent it was the ch- entirety of <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Chelsea outspent everyone. It, that is just unheard of, right? Um, but there've been some smaller moves here and there uh, in Italy. I think Spezia and, and Verona have put together quite quite nice little windows, um, considering their current plight in the table. That makes sense. Um, Fiorentina, Lecce, Salernitana, and Sampdoria. All looking okay as well. There wasn't much to write home about in Spain. It was a very quiet window in La Liga. Um, but I really like what Real Valladolid have done. Um, like a big fan of this as a window. They brought in Selim Amala from Standard Liège for about 1.8 million. Um, the Moroccan midfielder who played... Uh, a lot in the World Cup that we saw a lot of. Darwin Machis, who we know Woo! from his time at Granada, um, back in La Liga, 1.8 mil for that as well. They brought in Martin Hongler on loan from Verona, I think will add some spots, you know, some steel into that midfield. Um, he hasn't played since like, November, but I, I do like him. I think
2: he's a, a tidy little player. Carl sorry, Sorry, he played at the World Cup. He got some minutes for Cameroon. So not yeah. not for club, but he was, you know, he was, at, he was out there. He's, he's good. He's good enough to play a national stage. Yeah, 100%. And Carl Lahren, who another one who, you know, featured at the World Cup from Club Brugger,
0: He's Canada's all-time top scorer. He's already scored a really crucial goal, a 95th minute winner that dragged them out of the relegation zone. And late on, Giovanni Cabral as well returned to Valladolid. I think that's a fantastic window if you are fighting relegation. In La Liga, that is the kind of thing that keep you up. It's sensible, um, but enough kind of firepower in there to to get things going. So I'm I'm excited about that generally. Um, but Sevilla feel like they're stronger than they were as well at the start of the window. And Girona's pickup of Victor Shankov, I think, is one that we can all keep an eye on. That that that's a lot of fun. Um, I would have loved to see Unión do the Isco deal. But they've had a very decent window. And um, Hoffenheim have brought in some experience. The likes of Thomas Delaney, the likes of Caspar Dolberg got in there. I think that's, that makes sense from, from where I'm kind of standing. Uh, but my winner of the window is Marseille. Marseille have spent approximately, I'm going to say, six to seven million. And when that's six to seven million, they have replaced Dieng with Vettinia from Braga, you know, who is 22 years old. There was a lot of Premier League sides interested in him. I think he's absolutely exceptional, uh, Vitinha. They've replaced Gerson, who's gone back to Flamengo, with Ruslan Malinovsky on loan from Atalanta. And they've replaced Pape Gay, who went to Sevilla, with Azadi Unahi. And, and, and in total, in those three deals, have spent about £6 million. Uh, I think that is exceptional business from us they are three players who i think come in and make an immediate impact in this side uh, and in the race for the champions league in liga that's Mm. a cracking window as far as i'm concerned
2: yeah and they've they sent pape gay out on loan but severe can't actually make him permanent so they'll get him back in the summer and that's actually kind of important as well because i'm guessing i'm guessing that ganduzzi you know basically ends up leaving in the summer having mm. not left this winter. So they need to make sure they've got the right plan. The succession plan there they need to make sure they've got the bodies to cope with that. So just sending them out for six months, keeping Gendouzi now, and then bringing gay back in later. I quite like it. And Papa gay is a really good player, like a really good holding midfield player. I'm a big fan of his. So that will help severe as well. They just need anything that they can get really. Don't they just any, any players Loic bad joined on loan. They just needed center backs of some description They've uh, they've recalled Lucas Ocampos from his loan at Ajax. That should make a difference. You feel like they've done enough, Sevilla. But then you could argue that on paper, they were a top six side and they spent the entire first half of the season in the bottom three. So anything goes over there, right?
0: Yeah, well, we shall see. We shall see. Um, fingers crossed that all their signings don't work out from a better <laughs> From a Betis fan. Uh, Right, after the break, we're going to be talking about the best deals of the window and going into them in a little bit more depth. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranked FC. It's time for our main segment where we're going to be examining the best deals of deadline day. And so this is Sam Tsai. I'm going to hand over to you.
2: Yeah. I mean, the original plan was to look back at uh, January as a whole, but deadline day was so busy and so frenetic. We thought we'd limit the conversation to just the final stages of the window because there's so much to talk about anyway. And I was originally going to just go, well, who were, you know, who are the best deals? But I thought I'd give it a bit of a twist and I've got a top three here. I'll go three to one and it's about ranking the most impactful January deals. Because I think from, for the most part in January, you're looking for impact. This is essentially a an emergency window. Not everyone gets to behave like Manchester City and sign Julian Alvarez 12 months ago today. It's often a case of we are in trouble. We need something. We are screwed. What can we do? So, Finding impact and finding value are two very different things, and January often is more about impact. So I'm going to start at number three, and I'm going to say Harry Souter to Leicester City for 15 million pounds. I think this is great. As long as the knee is okay, he does have a torn ACL in his past. This is great, and we were questioning on the live stream, weren't we? What What's going on with Harry Souter? Why is it? Why, is that, why hasn't this one been uh, unveiled yet? Five, six hours waiting. I reckon they were just taking a good old look at that knee because they're just making sure and doing their due diligence. They've signed him. This is great. We loved Suter at the World Cup, lots of heroic defensive actions, lots of those raking passes out the back, and lots of aerial wins as well. And it's not just about the World Cup sample size, because we know he's been a star at championship level when he's been fit for more than a year. Cause we had Ali Maxwell on this very podcast from the not not the top twenty pod, talking about his favourite championship players ready for that step up, probably about 13 months ago. And he nominated Harry Souter as someone that was already ready. So off the back of a great World Cup, he signed for Leicester. And like this is just something that Leicester really obviously needed, right? I mean, we're at the point now you look at their centre back core. Soyuncu is just carnage in all the wrong ways. And Daniel Amati is basically just not good enough to play centre-back at this level. They have a crippling weakness at set-pieces and have done for 18 months. They conceded 17 set-piece goals last season and they've conceded nine so far this term. When you are in that situation and you are in that bottom throng of the table, just go and sign the biggest, baddest, meanest-looking dude you can find to patrol the box and protect you from set-pieces. And that is Harry Souter. And that is what they've done. Yeah. He, I
0: mean, we saw him at the World Cup, Dean. This is something that we were kind of prepped on throughout the window. It felt like this was a move kind of waiting to happen. It, it relied on Leicester getting a few players out the door in order to free up the space for, for Harry Suter to come in, probably on the wage bill as opposed to anything else, really. But they finally got it done. And it does feel like one of those ones where Leicester fans kind of all breathed the collective sigh of relief last night when that was finally announced because... They took their time about it, as Sam mentioned.
3: Yeah, exactly that. I mean, it's it's making um, quite a big impact. I think people are 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 quite excited about this. Um, If they hadn't seen uh, any Leicester fans hadn't seen his performance of the World Cup, they probably have by now. They've probably been checking them out because he was spoken about so highly. Um, The new slabhead is how he's been uh, referred (laughs) to by by a few Leicester fans. Um, So some some Mary Maguire. Um, comparisons already going in there. But um, ultimately, yeah, look, Leicester were very, very early onto, the, onto getting him through the door. Um, they've been negotiating this in January and actually this deal was struck almost a week ago, I think. Um, I think the first time I was told it was done was, what day are we now? Wednesday, probably Friday. I was thinking of Friday, I was told like the deal was done. It's just, a, it will be announced. Um, there's just a few things that will be sorted out. So that is good planning from Leicester. Um, it's obviously been a while since they've been able to make sign ins. They've needed sign ins. Um, Sam there spelled out like some of the issues that they've had in that sense. Um, he was raised in Scotland, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah.
0: His, his, his brother his, plays his bro- for Scotland.
3: Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, so this isn't this isn't like somebody's just like coming. Um, like landed in, in stoke from australia and it's just like <laughs> it's like having some luck uh this is a guy that's like you know, part of the culture here and he understands english football very well and like if you come through at stoke you're prepared for what what, the, what challenges lie ahead you you and stoke really didn't want to lose him obviously because he was uh so good for them but yeah uh really good signing um i'm not sure if i've would had it in the top three but i can understand why sam's putting there
2: yeah, it's about impact really. I mean, yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm just trying I'm trying to I'm trying to zero in on impact and like if you're this weak from set pieces, this defensively vulnerable, this yeah. is the kind of thing that can genuinely plug a giant hole and change the course of your season. And there's no doubt about it. Leicester came into this window needing to change the course of their season. It's not the only transfer they've made. They've made a couple more. I like them all, but this one is a permanent deal, so it can certainly land in this category. And I feel like centre back stepping up from the championship. It's a pretty, it's a pretty good path. There shouldn't be too much acclimatization. Having seen him at the World Cup, I've got no doubt that he's got, he's got it in him. So I think this is a bit of a game changer. Yeah, there's an interesting line. Uh, it
3: this has shattered the record for the highest transfer fee spent on a player from Australia. It was Aaron Moy. Previously, when he moved to Huddersfield in, in 2017, yeah, that so, was about eight million, wasn't it? Also, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well it's, done, Harry Suter. Shattering, making <laughs> waves across the
0: game. It was also uh, a move that really threw the spending from Premier League to Championship, or, or you know, below the below the Premier League clubs, back into a sensible. Figure, Well, not sensible, but a, a figure that you'd expect, I suppose, is, is probably more fair. Because there'd been very few deals between Premier League and Championship sides this window. And we talked about it a bit uh, on, on the postbox, Dean, and on the transfer show. The fact that that didn't seem to be a massive pathway for teams this this window. Obviously, we saw Semenya move from Bristol City to Bournemouth, but it hadn't been something that we'd really kind of seen much of and with the quality that always emerges within the championship it's something that, that teams tend to do a little bit more and and it took for harry Souter to to make this move for that feed to get anywhere near the kind of where we'd expect it to be in a Ooh, january yeah. transfer window when teams are looking for players who can come in and as sam says hit the ground running you're looking for players maybe with experience in in the english football pyramid it it just that intrigued me as a, as a yeah, kind of mind. Yeah, that's a good line. point.
3: Yeah, we had looked at that before. Um, uh, there, there were a few other players looked at, obviously in the championship. I think you mentioned Jokeres and people like that. Um, past Barrett and Diaz has been looked at for forever, but it seems like he's waiting to the end of the season to make his move. But yeah, it's um, it's a it's a good pathway for him. Um, not really much risk attached either for either side. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, Sam. Let's move on to number two.
2: Number two is Pedro Poro, oh. uh, a deal I was incredibly relieved oh, to see. Oh, hang on, done. hang on. Is
0: this not a loan?
2: Alone with an obligation? Does that yeah, not oh, no count? They have to sign him. They've got really no choice. Sorry. They've okay. got no choice. Um, and that's probably a good thing because no stupid decisions along the way may be made and they might back out for some strange reason. But uh, that's a good point. Jacket is alone with an obligation. It's a classic Piratici move, um, very Italian. But here we are. And it's a massive upgrade. Massive, massive upgrade is um, going to change the game for Spurs. Again, we're talking about impactful signings and Spurs coming up against, you know, let's go with weaker teams, but ball uh, teams that allow them to dominate possession. Spurs really, really struggle to break these teams down because they don't really have much of an avenue in attack from the right hand side. You know, don't have that attacking threat, don't have the crosser. They have Emerson Royale, who's like very timid sort of wants to pass backwards, doesn't really want to overlap or break forward or or hang on the last line. Poro, he has his weaknesses. He's not a perfect player, but technically speaking, he is superb and he will give them some zhuzh on the right-hand side. He will try everything within his power to get that ball into a dangerous area as soon as possible, often and over and over and over again. Why are you grinning at me, Jack? I just want to hear you say zhuzh a lot more. Zhuzh! <laughs> 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 is he, a whisk?
1: No now
2: (laughs) yeah maybe um all right some fizz how's that nice some spark is probably (laughs) some spark um this is also a big win for me guys um because (laughs) two of my two my very good friends dan and bill spurs fans they complain about emerson royale like every week and have done for the last like two years it's getting old maybe that stops now. So this is a big win for Spurs. They've elevated their game. This is a big win for Sam Tai. He gets less moaning from his mates. Um, and it's also just a big win for everybody because Porro's loads of fun, like loads of fun. I think everyone's going to really enjoy watching him. So I think this has got the, the potential to to really change Spurs' season, particularly when they come up against those teams that allow them to have the ball. I think the three points will come more regularly now. And that is ultimately what counts.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what's, how this kind of pans out because I think you're right in that he will start in these games where Spurs are looking to make attacking inroads off the cuff. I also think there's there's kind of something interesting in the fact that In games where Spurs have had to defend, Emerson Royale has actually been quite good because we know that this is what he's good at. He was a right-back, not a right-wing-back when when he was at Betis and he was was impressive. It didn't go for him at Barcelona, but as as much as anything, the club was a bit of a madhouse at that point. So you you kind of look at it and go, what happens when Spurs come up against top six sides or or teams that are are going to come at them? And is Emerson actually going to still get a place in this rotation? Because... Against Fulham, Dean, we, we saw him in the flesh a couple of weeks ago and he was excellent. He, he was yeah. really, really quite impressive. One of Spurs' best performers on the night. And that yeah. was because he was tasked with defending. He was like, right, you go over there and, and stop Willian getting down that right-hand side. He did, yeah. And he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and ultimately, I, I do wonder exactly how Poro fits into that system when when Spurs do come mm-hmm. up against sides who are going to come at them and Conte wants that defensive solidity. And we've seen it kind of on the other side with Sessnion and Perisic, right? Same same thing, where he's mm. more willing to trust Sessnion, I think, in big games. And maybe to the surprise of, of a lot of people because I think he really really rates his defensive work rate as much as anything else. So it is going to be fun this one was a bit of a saga as well Dean. We've had plenty of sagas over the course of this transfer window but this yeah, felt like it was a bit on more boring. off on off and on again.
3: Yeah, this one was a bit more boring. I mean, Spurs knew that that Sporting wouldn't be easy to deal with over this one. Um you know, the original uh, clause that was there um expired at a certain point of the window and they'd, they they had to change the the way that they would attack the the deal. Um, in the end, actually, Tottenham are, are quite happy with the way that this has played out. Um, the fact that they don't actually have to pay this money until the summer is actually quite handy. Um, so there's no problem with that. The big question is: is is this enough to satisfy Antonio Conte? Um, it does seem like it should be, but it only will be if Tottenham start winning matches again. Um, also, Sam, is this a player I need in my fantasy team? I hadn't even thought of that until you've you've now elevated him into number two in the most impactful mm-hmm. player's son.
2: yeah probably i mean probably um it's uh it's an attack it's a very very attacking wing back So he's going to go in as a defender you'd assume some clean sheets on tottenham's behalf and yeah the attacking yeah, returns not in might, there might yet. be there yeah he's, not in there, yet. Out. he's, he's well,
3: not in there yet he'll, no, be there. So. he'll be
2: there soon maybe they'll get him in before the weekend but yeah porro i mean very good. I mean, look, Spurs spent thirty-one days trying to get this done, and I think they fumbled the, the bag. About, uh, well, yeah, and they fumbled the bag about eight different times over the course of that thirty-one days. So, I was in the end quite surprised to see it actually happen. Um, but they got him, and and well done to them. They, they've picked up a really good player who who works really well for them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, very,
0: very feels like he fits the system very, very well. Um, yeah. And also, it paved the way for one of the vibiest transfers of the window, which was Hector Bellerin's move to Sporting. that's fun isn't it I mean he always did look good in green and white but it is one of those transfers that you look at and go oh that's that's nice quite like that so again see Hector playing in Lisbon it is quite something although he didn't look particularly happy when he landed at the airport last night so maybe he's less happy about this than the rest of us or at least (laughs) a little bit saddened that his return to his boyhood club didn't quite go as he might have hoped I suppose
2: no, only six months there, barely really made an impact, did he? Unfortunately, I'll be honest with you, and you know, not going to spend much time talking about him. But I actually really don't know what to expect from from Bayer in the next time I see him on the pitch. Like, who knows at this point? But he did look good in that in that kit on the launch. Yeah, I mean, he's a fashion icon. Uh, maybe, maybe the
0: coolest man in football. There's there's a there's a big 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 shout for that to be the case.
2: All right, let's move on to number one then, Sam. Number one, guys, and this is where I just need to really stress that most impactful does not mean best because you know I'm not a massive fan of this deal in terms of the price. But Enzo Fernandes is going to have a massive impact on this <laughs> Chelsea midfield, is he not? I mean, for all of the criticism that I give it and for all the faults I point out, he is walking into a situation where he could quite possibly transform their midfield they've been a mess in there, you know, due to injuries, due to manager changes, due to all sorts, they've been a mess and he's going to walk in there and he's going to be very good because he's a very good footballer and he's going to be the cornerstone of the midfield. Um, you know, this month when I've been describing him, I've kind of taken to the idea of calling him two players rolled into one, which I think is just a good way of describing him. And to be fair, might explain why he cost roughly double what I thought he would, because he's two, but yeah, he's got the very modern skill set that you need in the base of midfield. And he walks in as just this like very very shiny, new, younger model, a better version of Jorginho, a more rounded version of Jorginho. He's younger, he's got perfect white teeth, a great smile and a World Cup gold medal and he's going to probably, I assume, galvanize this team. Like he's he, I feel like he's going to be held up as a bit of a symbol for the forward march now. Chelsea have signed a lot of players and like, yeah, yeah, Malagusto, Mudrick, Felix, Badia They spent the GDP of Denmark of, two, of 2022. But I think it's Enzo really who can be held aloft as the signal, as the marker for the new era. And he will step in and he will, sorry guys, starting Friday, have a really, really, really big impact on Chelsea. He'd almost certainly
0: get sent off on debut. That's what happens to yeah. players who come in to, to start their start their kind
2: of career Hopefully, he will be rested.
3: Hopefully, he will be rested after all this. He must be exhausted. Yeah. He, he oh, must very, be exhausted.
2: very, very tiring Tuesday night. You know, late flight, bit jet lag. You know, He's you know been same time he might not after to, uh, so yeah, he might be announced. He might not be
0: announced. He might be announced till afterwards, after midnight midday tomorrow. So they might not be eligible. on the pitch
3: at halftime. i accept that. They
0: can do yeah. that. Yeah, even uh, I'll clap. Yeah, if, if he gets brought out for everyone to say hello to, that's OK with me as long as he's not starting yeah, in the middle of the this case. midfield. But I think mm-hmm. you're right. And and I also do think that there's a, a kind of question mark here about Chelsea need to get this right around him as well. They, they need to give him some protection and some players in there around him who are going to let him thrive. Because yes, he can operate at the bottom of, of these midfields. We've seen that, but... I do think you get the best out of him when you're, allow, you're allowing him to, to roam forwards, to get into these areas, to make differences uh, in, in, in kind of both ends of the pitch. And what that needs really is Chelsea to play a Dennis Zachariah, Golo Kante type alongside Enzo in order to give him that freedom to burst forward and, and make things happen uh, in, in different areas. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Chelsea play this because there are still serious question marks about how he's going to fit into this team but i do agree with you sam that chelsea you know let's take the fee out of it for a second and i know that's hard to do but when you do take that out of it they've signed an incredibly incredibly talented young player who has the potential i think to be absolutely world class and we're going to we're going to see if that translates straight away and my hunch is actually bang on with you in that i think it will i think this makes a major difference to chelsea just in terms of how they function in the middle of the park under Graham Potter.
2: Yeah, and again, like it's not a deal I'd have done, but I can't deny the fact that he's going to step in and probably transform the midfield. You know, He's mm. going to be the, one of the first names on the team sheet, if not the first. He'll certainly be the first name in midfield, and they'll start cycling through the partners and trying to figure out what works best with him in, in what dynamic. And I agree, it's going to be Kante or Zachariah of the current cast, it might be that they hit the market again in the summer to find him that perfect partner. Chelsea in the find... market. See. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, good goodness knows what their actual FFP situation is here. It doesn't matter how, how many contracts you amortize over how many years. It, there, must, there must be close to something. Um mm. but this midfield obviously was in need of a refresh. Dean, you've been talking for the last year about how you know Jorginho is coming to the end, Kante is coming to the end, you know. They they were going to have to do something in this area and they have indeed done it. It's, it's happened in January, which I didn't expect the Jorginho Enzo flip, but it has happened and they're on the mm. right track.
3: I mean, the only concern I probably have from Chelsea point of view at the moment is like that the squad is becoming so young like mm. that that is probably the one thing i would say like you you start to look at the senior players in this squad like now jorginho has gone too like that is that's something that arsenal are actually gaining too by the way like that that seniority and that leadership like obviously like they they've got tiago Silva, and the fact he's 38 it like massively hikes up the average age of this squad um you know next in line you'd have like albamyang and aspiliqueta who just don't have a much future at this club i don't even think they'll be there beyond the next summer so you're going into next season then you got Thiago Silva probably does another year and then there's Kante how much does he play Koulibaly I'm not sure he's going to be around either because there's a lot of talk about the potential for him to return to Italy and then you're looking at Edouard Mendy who also I'm not sure his future is Chelsea don't really Sterling mate yeah Sterling, Sterling Sterling at 28 um is actually got a, one of the most senior if not the most senior outfield player that Chelsea have now got and mm-hmm. I I I do think that that is a slight problem I don't think I don't want to overblow this because I don't think it's a major major issue but there is something to be said for signing players at a certain level and I think Man United have been cautious of this too with the fact that they're trying to overhaul the squad and like losing all the players that are in their 30s Obviously, it's good in some one sense because you want fresh legs and you want exciting, young, hungry talent. But there's a lot to be said for just steady heads and like leading these young players and helping them fit in. And Enzo will need a little bit of that. Look, Kovacic is like, what is he, 27 or 28? Um, he can do that if he's even playing. Can say 31. Will he even be playing? You don't want to start getting a position where you suddenly playing like Conor Gallagher. It, yeah, you, you
0: don't want the average age of the side to be like 21.
3: Not too young, no. No, there, there's definitely a fine line to tread. But yeah, it's it's obviously going to be a ma- magnificent transfer over his next eight and a half years. He's going to um, put in some very good performances.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am a little surprised that you didn't put Jorginho into this list, Sam. Um, because I know that Both of us, I think all three of us, are big fans of this transfer. Is it impactful? Is it impactful? Is it impactful? I think it is, yeah. I I think it's really impactful. I think it's the kind of thing... Well, it's no, less, It's a less direct impact. Okay, right. I, that's fair enough. But I, I do think just having Jorginho to come on when Arsenal are controlling games and, and just help see out games to step in and allow midfield rotation to give cover in those areas where we've talked about Arsenal felt light and, and to bring in someone who's you know a Champions League winner who has won i think four trophies in his time at at chelsea who has gone on and and won the euros with italy who is kind of one of those players you just step in you go yeah that's just another little bit of experience and we've talked about the impact of gabriel jesus and Alexander zinchenko in this arsenal team in the mentality shift from being like nearly boys to we can actually just do this because there are winners in this squad and I think that's what Jorginho brings as much as anything to Arsenal. Yes, he has his physical faults. I don't think anyone's going to sit here and, and suggest that he doesn't. But in just seeing out games, and as ball dominant and Arsenal are right now, I think this is almost a perfect signing for a January deadline day to bring in a little bit of experience to help them see out games, to help them in Europe where they have a really good chance, considering how strong the squad depth is, I think, of challenging quite far into the Europa League in a you know in a, Georgina, I said this on the stream last night he's always done well in Europe he's always played well in European games because the speed of the game doesn't pass him by as it does sometimes when you have a kind of real physical end to end ding dong in the premier league i just think overall that could end up looking like one of the master strokes of the season. We know that this wasn't a flash in the pan decision from Arsenal. It wasn't a last minute. Oh oh God, we've got to sign someone. We know that Arteta has been a major fan of Jorginho since when Pep tried to sign him from Napoli to Manchester city. And I just look at that and think that's one we'll look back on and go major game changer in the future.
2: I don't disagree with anything you've said there. I think he's an excellent signing. And if I'm holding up Jorginho in one hand and Enzo Fernandez in the other, while well, I accept that Enzo is essentially a better footballer, the Jorginho deal overall is better. It's really smart. 12 million, one and a half year deal plus one year option. It's great. It's not a massive financial outlay. It fills the body in midfield. It does everything you said. I think it's really smart. However, in terms of impact, for Jorginho to be super impactful... To come anywhere close to these three gentlemen that I've already discussed in terms of impact on the pitch, Thomas is going to have to get injured. Mm. So with that in mind, I picked the three immediate key players okay. because I only had three spots.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, it, it makes sense when you put yeah. it like that. Okay. All right. In part three, we're going to be moving on to the best loan deals of deadline day. So we're looking at them. After this short break, don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It is time for part three. We're going to talking about the best loan deals of deadline day. But before we do that, Dean Jones, it's time for Melon of the Week. It's
3: time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll. <laughs> what is this man? What's wrong with him? Like, What is he doing? From the moment he stepped on that pitch at Old Trafford for Reading, there was something seriously wrong with him. <laughs> he was like a lunatic running around that pitch. He's seriously injured Christian Erikson. Um, Okay, he's given us a dramatic storyline on Transfer Deadline Day, but that's about all he's he's given the game this week. Um, He escaped, actually, any sort of punishment for the scissor tackle he made on Ericsson. But then he makes two more ridiculous challenges on Malassia and Casemiro. The second
0: one in particular is like two minutes after his first yellow card, and it's the most obvious yellow card I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just
3: absolutely ridiculous. Ten Hag was absolutely fuming. Um, he was asked afterwards, do you think he was set out to try and hurt your players? And he was like, I think you know my view on this. It's quite clear what my thoughts are. And he's like, you know, this is a tackle that just does not belong. He was talking about the Ericsson one that just doesn't belong on a football pitch because there's such a high risk of injuring your colleague Um he was fuming about it, and like now that he's actually out for a few months, it's even worse. Um, yeah, where's number two plays up front? Everything about Andy Carroll <laughs> is just wrong. I'm, I apologise to Darwin Nunez actually for comparing him to him um, at times this season because Darwin Nunez is an absolute superstar compared to Andy Carroll. He is an
0: absolute melon. Mm. Yeah, this was bad. This was bad. was bad. Like it was, it was just a succession of. Steadily getting worse challenges. It was just like melon he like had the ump. It was like he was just annoyed, like he had an argument with someone before coming on the pitch. It was ridiculous. Mm, yeah, no, agreed. Um, big melon vibes almost so bad that it like almost considered too rough to be a melon. Yeah, uh, melon- it was
3: it was one of those, it was a bit one of those, you're right. Um, but ultimately it was I, I couldn't, I just couldn't overlook it. And I wanted him to get a mention, so we all know that it's unacceptable. Right, it's time for shout out of the week. Yeah, let's add some positivity, um, shall we? Well, first of all, do you know what? There's no positivity here. People aren't. People have dried up on the reviews. So we've got we've got one here, but like, people, please do go onto your your platform. And give us a five star review and just leave a few words. You might get a shout out of the week. Like you might get your name mentioned on the famous Ranks FC. But more than that, you'll be helping us actually get noticed um, and progress in our career as the world's greatest podcasters. Anyway, it's time for shout out of the week. And this week's shout out of the week is from Full Cup. Don't think it's his real name. Anyway, full he gave us a cup, cup fun- main. Yeah. Full cup main. Oh yeah, that's his full name. He gave us a five star review and said, "It good."
0: That's it. I, it was it was titled "It good," and then the comment on it was "It good," and it was it's my That's favorite all it thing takes I've received to keep us happy. That's It, all it I, really, really tickled me this week, so I sent it to Dean. It's and, a great review. It's a uh, great
3: review. Fantastic. People are coming in there to check if this is a good podcast. They see that at the top, and they're like, "Oh, it good." I'll oh, listen good. It, oh, it, listen. It good. It, it real yeah, if good. If you all want to go on right now and just write it good and give five stars, be my guest. Yeah. I just want some re- more reviews in there, people, because in the last week, they've dried up.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, We've had some absolute essays and uh, some brilliant beautiful messages. I'm all for the but essays. It's well. good, really did tickle me this week. <laughs> so um so shout-outs to Full Cup Main uh, yep. from the USA. With that, let's get back to the topic, shall we, So and let's talk about some loans.
2: Sure. Okay. So kind of talked about it earlier. Um the art of January really is kind of stepping into the breach and, and filling out emergency needs. So a loan is a very legitimate way of doing this. I don't really tend to sing about loans in summer windows because that's your, your actual time to reset. But in January, it's one of the most powerful tools at your disposal. And there were some really, really good loans on deadline day. Uh, I probably, I've had to miss a couple of out really, but I'll start at number three. And it's Kayla Navas. We did it.
1: <laughs> free Kayla. We manifested this is, it.
0: <laughs> this is not where we were trying to manifest Kayla to, but he's out.
2: He's free. We, we did it. He, now of course, like everybody else on this planet, um, plays for Nottingham Forest. I assume you guys also got your contracts through the post yesterday, yeah, signed them and yeah, sent them yeah. off. Um, but he got the loan. He got the loan and he's going to play, you know, at least some football. Um, ultimately, I, I don't know what what happens in, I don't know, maybe a month or two. But it's not actually that clear how long Dean Henderson is injured for, who was already on loan at Forest. Poor the Dean starting by the way, doesn't have much luck, does he? No, oh, really? no, he, doesn't. No. he, he, he does some, he some horrid luck. luck.
3: Gets an injury, then he's one of the best
0: goalkeepers in the world while he's out. He's and not as unlucky as Hakim Ziyech, but he's,
2: he's very unlucky nonetheless. Yeah, I think but you Ziyech m- might be remember the during, courts. Yeah, during, the, during the pandemic, Dean Henderson, I mean, I don't know how strong or true the suggestion was, but the suggestion was that he was basically going to be given the nod as like first choice goalkeeper or at least give it a go. And he got covid and then missed preseason and then got knocked out of the rotation and ended up as backup. And it's been it's been really tough for him. Anyway, I think he had a, a good first half of the season, but he got injured. And now, yeah, Caden Avis is there. And and from Forrest's perspective, because this is kind of the, the angle we have to look at it, Forrest can't afford, they cannot afford to go four, six, maybe eight weeks without a legitimate number one. And Wayne Hennessy basically doesn't fit that bill so i don't blame them for going out and sorting something here because the stakes are literally relegation that's how serious it is it's hundreds of millions of pounds and setting yourself back two or three years at stake so kayla navas who is a fantastic goalkeeper joining nottingham forest is not something i thought i'd see in 2023 particularly on deadline day but here we are that is madness that kayla navas plays for nottingham forest that is that's
3: mad think of where they were a year ago yeah, yeah, yeah! yeah. That it, is it's crazy. Really isn't it? It's um, hope
0: for every every club out there. Yeah, things around the corner. It's a it's a great deal. Um, and Forest have uh, thirty one players have joined Forest in the last two transfer windows. Now, some of them one have for been every shipped. day
2: of the month of January. Some <laughs> of them have been shipped
0: out. Some of them are on loan. Some of them play for the under 23s But still, thirty one incomings. The churn, the turnover of players is flabbergasted is absolutely astounding and look it might keep forest up so this isn't criticism but Mm. it's it's genuinely like astounding the number of bodies that have come through the door at nottingham forest at the city must be
2: it must be a record like it it surely is it surely is. three squads no one's ever signed (laughs) three new squads the joke was in the summer oh they signed a new team then it was they signed a full a full new squad now it's three starting 11s. Almost, it's mad. It's mad. But hey, they, they look. Some of them are hits. Obviously, they've had some tough luck with injuries at points as well. Yeah. But yeah, they just couldn't help themselves. They picked up a, a two or three more yesterday for sure. Um, let's move on to number two, and we've already kind of mentioned it in passing here. But I'm super impressed with um, Marcel Sabitzer to Manchester United. I think I think I'm most impressed with Manchester United's ability to just switch into gear very quickly and actually get this sorted. Um, because I think this this entire task of identifying a player, getting in touch and signing them, you know, just the basics of transfers, has been mostly beyond them for the last two and a half years. Yeah. They're getting better at it. And I did not expect Manchester United to be able to react to this nimbly and employ this level of lateral thinking in the wake of Ericsson's prognosis to make this work and to come up with such a good solution. In the space of about six hours, like genuinely, well done. This is brilliant.
3: Mm. It's a club doing things differently. Um, I think that's quite clear, isn't it? Like the way that United have changed. Um, yeah, it's it's smart. It's nice. Nobody's complained. I haven't seen a single. <laughs> I haven't seen a single person be like that's rubbish. No yeah. one thinks it. Everyone's M- like
0: maybe Fred. Yeah. Fred thinks that. <laughs> I just I just think maybe. it's a really smart bit of last minute business i think you're absolutely right you know the fact that united obviously you know we talked a bit yesterday on the live stream dean the fact that united were basically offered loads and loads of players at like at the last minute and they were like nope we've actually been keeping an eye on Sabbath for a while we think he might be available do you reckon he's available he's available let's go and get him let's sign him we've signed him it's like oh right cool they've just done a thing in like normal amounts of time with <laughs> sensible kind of players involved we looked a little bit sam on that stream you can go and check it out we did two hours last night on deadline day on, on our youtube where we looked at some of these players in a little bit more depth we dived into the the ins and outs and the, and the stats around them as well and um, so you can go and peek at that if you like on the ranks fc youtube channel but Sabitzer feels like a really good ericsson you know substitute in in many ways. Someone who's going to come in and be able to fulfill similar roles to what he does in the team. And they're not exactly the same player, but last minute, it feels like about as good as a replacement at a level that is... Excellent, uh, a player who brings in the experience, uh, uh, top level experience, and that leadership quality that Eriksson brings to the team. Sabitzer is obviously Austria captain. He's played in the Bundesliga, he's played in the Champions League, he's played in the World Cups, <laughs> he's played in the Euros. You know, this is a this is a player who you're like, yep, yeah, very very good, impressive, just just a great CV. And United just got it done quietly and without any fuss. And I, I'm surprised this isn't number one personally. That that's how good a deal I think this is.
2: Yeah. I mean, so to put some more context on this deal, you've got to remember that the role that Eriksson was fulfilling for Manchester United was essentially ball progression. They were having problems shifting the ball from defensive the defensive phase into the middle. They were having trouble getting it off the centre-backs and moving it through the lines cleanly. So they dropped Eriksson into the midfield too, to allow that to happen. That player, that skill set, Apparently is now valued at 120 million euros because that's what Enzo Fernandez cost. Moises Caicedo has a similar one. He was 80 million. Jude Bellingham has a similar one. He's going to be 120. This skill set that Manchester United suddenly found themselves without, with about 12 hours to go, is supposed to cost 60 million to 120 million. So to find anybody that can replicate that role on a loan with that much notice or that little notice, just well done. Like really well done. Because this 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 problem that they were trying to solve is no easy problem. They can't just go and bid for forty strikers like Southampton did. Doesn't matter what style you are, whoever doesn't care. This is a really specific problem that they fixed in six hours. Yeah, yeah, smart moves. Well done, Manchester United. And um, we
0: haven't said that all that often in the last few years. So, shouts out to United. They're, they're mm. finally doing some sensible business. Uh, right then, who is number one? Who tops Sabitzer?
2: I mean, you know, it's Cancelo. I mean, come on, you don't just, you just. I mean, I can't. I don't have the words. You've You're literally Bayern gone Munich. full. I can't speak. I don't. I can't speak. I can't speak. Um, it's nine darts in a row. It's incredible stuff from Bayern Munich's perspective. Like, you know, they're waking. This 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 basically got you know sorted on on the thirtieth, but finalized on the thirty first. Do you think Hasan Salihamzic is 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 waking up on you know Sunday morning thinking that? The day in store for him is, oh, actually, um, very soon you're going to be told that Joao Cancelo, one of the world's best players and arguably one of the best, well, definitely one of the best fullbacks, arguably the best fullback on his day, is going to be available for a loan. Bayern Munich, who have after, you know, 17 or 18 games recorded their lowest points tally for about a decade. A Bayern Munich team who have drawn quite a few games in a row, are looking at several teams in this Bundesliga season as genuine title competitors. A team that really need a lift get Cancelo just because Cancelo didn't play very much in January and he got annoyed. I mean, this is just remarkable. Remarkable. There's a phrase my mum used to use here, which is probably a bit too crass for the podcast. But um, in a nutshell, it's um, they've fallen into a bucket of piss and come out smelling of roses. That's a censored version of what what my mum would say about this one. How incredible. How incredible is this? Yeah, I mean, Bayern have just quietly, you know, you said it at the
0: top, Sam, they've quietly just done what Bayern do in this window. They've gone and absolutely smashed it. They've seen opportunity, they've sniffed it out and they have, have struck immediately like a lightning bolt and gone, right, yep, thank you very much. We'll have that. We'll have Jan Sommer, who's a very good deputy for Manuel Neuer and, and pretty much every club in the most clubs in the world would be like, yeah, we'll take him as our number one. Bayern have brought him in as a number one temporarily for about eight million. That's mm. unbelievable business. Daily Blind, he's on a free. They've gone, yeah, we could do with that a little bit of experience. Just help us guide through the end of the season when things are a little bit ropey. Great, fantastic. And then on deadline day, they've picked up Cancelo. It's just. Have you called this in the bag yet? Oh, yeah, the Bundesliga has been in the bag for a while, which is is, a real problem. It's a real problem because even though Bayern have done excellently, the Bundesliga title race is one of the most joyous things in Europe right now. And if we'd done the things we love this week, I probably would have included it. Um, Mm. But, yeah, it is one of those where I I just think everyone, well, everyone at Bayern is a winner here. I think City are a a little bit weaker for it. But ultimately, it's an opportunity (laughs) for Rico Lewis as well.
2: So... You know, just Bayern put yourself in the, in the shoes of, of, of Bayern Munich's title rivals here. They're probably looking at Bayern coming up into this, this January period and sensing a bit of weakness, sensing a bit of discontent. Lewandowski is, is not around. They're drawing too many games. They're not streaks ahead streets ahead like they usually are. And um, they go ahead and sign Joao Cancelo on loan. Yeah, If you're Dortmund, if you're Union Berlin, if you're Leipzig, you're just like, life is not fair, is yeah. it? It's just not fair. Mm. And, like, fair play to Bayern for getting this through. Incredible. Yeah. i
3: tell you what, lads, I, I just got to uh, mention some breaking news that's happened while while we're on here. Because earlier on, I was talking about Antonio Conte and will, it, will he be happy with Tottenham's transfer business? Well, I'll tell you what, at the moment, I don't think he really cares about that. Tottenham have released a statement that says Antonio Conte recently became unwell with severe abdominal pain and he is going to be undergoing surgery to remove his gallbladder today and will return following a period of recuperation. Everyone at the club wishes him well.
2: Oh, my goodness well, me.
3: That's sad. Wow, that sounds that's, rubbish. That's, that sounds really rubbish, yeah. Um, so best wishes to Antonio Conte. And that, that yeah. does suddenly put a transfer window into some context and make you realise, like, you know, you, you laugh about managers being grumpy. Well, he's got every reason to be grumpy if he's been in that much abdominal pain that he's now having such serious surgery. So, yeah, best wishes from, from Ranks and for everyone else. And, yeah, um, don't worry about Pedro Poirot for the time being, mate. He'll, he'll do fine. He'll do fine.
0: Yeah, thank you for adding the conte <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Very good. Right, Just end the show there. End the show there. On that bombshell. I think we are yep. going to call this a day. Thank you so much for listening to Ranks FC today. Again, we apologize for the delay, but such is the way of the world on Transfer Deadline Day. We hope you've enjoyed this show and this brief rundown through what was a madness in the final hours of The Window. Thank you so much to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. Thank you so much to our rank god, Mr. Sam Tsai. Cheers, buddy. I've been Jack Collins, neighbor of Hearts. This has been Ranks FC, and we will be back next week. Back to normal programming, we promise. See you then, gang. Take it easy. Peace. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score, and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. slash ranks.